I want to take a creative look this morning at the power of giving. And, you know, I don't want you to turn off on me and say, well, this is, you know, this isn't for me because I tithe. No, it is for you because there's blessing that comes your way when you give. And, and maybe you're here today and, and you're not giving or you haven't trusted the Lord in that area of your life. Again, don't turn off. I want you to uh, receive today and the fear of generosity to be broken off your life. My hope today is that through this message, the fear and the anxieties that come with giving or the, or the realities of being a generous giver will be broken off your life, that you'll begin to discover in your own life ways that you can become more generous in not just your tithes, but your resources and your time and what God has called you to do. So before we dive in, I want to give you a couple of scriptures, some that you're probably very familiar with already. I would encourage you, uh, if you're going to take notes, jot down these scriptures, jot down some of these points, go back, get the podcast later, listen to it, get this in you, because I believe one of the greatest blessings for our church, for you personally and our church corporately, comes when we understand the power of generosity. You all understand what I'm saying this morning? You hear what I'm saying? You all out there? Hello. The The blessing comes when we understand generosity. Night of Hope is a great example of generosity where we go above and beyond what we have in our own means to give. We just said, Lord, with Night of Hope, every month we say, Lord, here we are. We've, we've got 300 or so guests that are going to be coming in these doors, and we need to supply and meet their needs. We don't know how we're going to do that, but Lord, we're just going to trust you. We just trust. And literally, that's what we do. And throughout the month, people bring in clothes and put them out there, and people bring in food, and we have free food that comes from the, the the uh, food pantry in Akron. We've got food that comes from other sources. We have people that out of the blue somehow find out through Vicki Jarbo about haircuts and they want to come cut hair for free. Who wants to cut hair for free? You know, especially when you do it as a profession, who wants to come on their time off to cut more hair, you know? Uh, you know, so all of these wonderful things that are happening, we just say, Lord, we trust you, and God meets the needs, and we open up our hands and say, here you go. We want to be generous. And the same is true in our lifestyle when it comes to giving of our finances, our time, our talent, all of those things. And so what is the tithe? Well, I'm glad you asked that. What is a tithe? We say that term a lot. If you don't know, tithe means 10%. We find this in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. It says, bring all the tithes. Everybody say all all the tithes. And that's not just a portion of the 10% or 2% or whatever. It's all, all 10% bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Where's, where's your storehouse? If this is your church, this is your storehouse. This is the place where you receive meat and spiritual nourishment. This is where you receive spiritual food and sustenance. You bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Why? That there may be food in my house that there might be supply in my house, that there might be resources in my house, that there might be ministries in my house, that the power can come on this morning so that we can fix the broken garage door that's out on the garage. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, all of those, all of those wonderful things. That's not why I'm preaching this message, by the way. But, but that is part of giving, right? We give and God takes care of, we take care of his house. And what happens? And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to contain it. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I've got a pretty, pretty big size vision of what I can do with resources. And so that's a pretty big statement that God's making, that you will not have room enough to contain it. Leviticus 27 says, 
all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is whose? Not Pastor Zach's. Not Celebration Church. The Lord's. You give into your storehouse, but you're giving unto who? The Lord. You're giving what belongs to God, to Him, to His house, 100%. Is there a difference between tithing and free will offerings? I'm glad you asked. Yes, there is a difference. Exodus 35 says this, And all of the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing, and they brought the Lord's offering again, Note that, the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all its service, for all the holy garments. They came both men and women, as many as had a willing heart. The children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord. This was above and beyond the tithe. All the men and the women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work, which the Lord, by the hand of Moses, had commanded to be done. So they continued, I love this, they continued bringing free will offerings every morning. Every morning they got up and brought their offering to the Lord, and the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. Now, can you imagine people coming to church every morning bringing, now we've had this a couple of times with our clothing area of ministry, we've had heaps and piles of clothing where we've had to say, stop bringing your clothes, bring, kill, bring children's clothes. But can you imagine that uh, we would have so much cash and change and resources and things just piled up that, that we would have to say, thank you, that's more than enough. Thank you, the Lord blessing be on you but stop giving. <laughs> That's, that is free will offering. Amos chapter 4 verse 5 says, Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven. Proclaim and announce the free will offerings for this you love, you children of Israel, says the Lord God. Throughout Scripture number 3, just a great point about giving. Throughout Scripture, we see the work of God is supported by the people of the congregation. The, the businesses in Akron are not supporting our our ministry here, you know, they, they don't tithe monthly here, but the people in the congregation are those who support the work of the congregation. Paul said to the Galatians in Galatians 6, let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Now, we often take out that verse and we hear frequently, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows that will he also reap. But that was preceded by God saying, take care of my ministers. Take care of those who teach and minister the word. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season what? We will reap. We will reap if we don't lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good, especially to those who are of the household of faith. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 14, even so the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. Some other verses you might be familiar with, hopefully you're jotting these down and you'll go back and listen to the podcast, but Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. We always want to receive, but the prerequisite to God's blessing is that we give. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will men put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Proverbs 3, one of my favorite scriptures, says this, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. 
As I said, I want to take a creative look at giving this morning, so let's take a look at this video before we go any further. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that creative look at giving. Uh, and, and maybe you might, if you didn't enjoy that, maybe you'll enjoy this because I have a table full of donuts. Um, so, so I figured that donuts might get your attention with regards to giving. I don't know. So anybody like donuts? I have extra after service. You can have them because my wife won't let me bring them home. <laughs> Somebody said, did you eat one? Um, I, I, I may or may not undeniably know or not know if I enjoyed or did not enjoy one of these wonderful <laughs> sugar. Anyway, so I'm going to take a look at, at giving this morning and... and Overall, take a look at finances, I guess, in this illustration, just to give you an example. There are a couple of different areas where we spend our income, and so I want to take a look at these. First off, one of those areas that we're probably all familiar at this time of of the season that we all don't want to be familiar with is taxes. All right, how many of y'all are really excited about taxes this morning? I can tell. So taxes, they tell us take up about 28% of a person's income. So we'll just average that 28%. We'll say these nice big apple fritters equal about 10%. So we'll put 10%, another 10%, nice big apple fritter. And then, let's see here, we need, a, we need that's 10, 20, let's see here, there's 5%. We'll use a glazed donut for 5%. And this little one here will be 2%. So we got 28% that goes to tax, 28 Oh, that's 27. Obviously, I don't know how five, six, seven. Let's do this. Let's get rid of that and put this one over here. We'll use these as ones. Does that help? Am I doing my math right? I'm looking at the financial planners. I need three. See, y'all think I'm horrible. I don't know how to add. So I need this one. I'm getting confused. 10, 25, 6, 7, 8. These are, these are right. Who's telling me I'm wrong? Okay, okay. I'm like, I do know how to add every once in a while. I just have to have my calculator. I'm like, this is 2%, this is 1%. These are 1%. Okay, there we go. 28%. Now we got this. Jesus endorsed, moving along, Jesus endorsed taxes. And Matthew, he said, and he said to them, render therefore to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, give to God what belongs to God. So we know that God endorsed paying taxes. And back in the 1940s, prior to the 1940s, they didn't have the federal withholding law, so all the employers were responsible for paying their, their taxes, or the, the employees were responsible for paying their taxes. Well, due to World War II and the government realizing people don't pay their taxes, they implemented the, world, the federal withholding. So they've learned something. The government knows something that the church hasn't. What, it might help us if we came and withheld everybody's tithe from... No, I'm just joking. Anyway, anyway, moving along before I get myself in trouble. The other area is giving. Now, giving amounts to about 12%. Roughly, you have 10% with the tithe and 2% other. So this is 2%. So we're going to put, put our little 2% guy up here, and we'll put an apple fritter for 10. 
2 Corinthians says this, But this I say to you, he who sows sparingly, we just read this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus endorsed tithing as well. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin. These are all spices. He said, And have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without forsaking the others. So he says to them, you tithed, you did well, but you also didn't have justice and mercy. You didn't love others. You didn't have faith. So all of these things, he says, you need to have both. So you need to tithe. Don't forsake the tithe. Do both. It's interesting that less than 6% of American Christians tithe. Less than 6%. Americans spend more on dog food than they do on tithing. And within our own church, only 38% of our congregation actually tithes biblically. So that's tithing. That's giving. Let's moving, moving along. Another area of giving is savings. Now, financial planners will tell us that we need to save about 10% of our income. So we'll move one of these little apple fritters over here. 10% of our income. Proverbs tells us in chapter 21 that we are to, there's a desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. So we are to what? We are to save our income. How many of you know things don't last permanently? <laughs> we just had to replace our washer and dryer. So our appliances and things like that aren't going to last permanently. Our tires wear out, our clothes wear out. And so we need to be wise stewards and save our income. Now, if you all are wondering where this is going, hang with me. We'll just keep, we'll keep on this path. Another area of our finances is our lifestyle. So the rest of our income, 50%, would go here into our lifestyle, how we live, how we live our lives. Now, you're probably saying 50%, that's it. I can't live on 50% of my income. And that might be true. We have difficulties with that. But how many of you know that we tend to waste our money and spend things? We'll talk about that in a moment. But this is what Paul said regarding being content. He says, and not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. What is contentment? It's to want what we have, not what we need, what we don't have. And so we, we, be, we become, we find ourselves content with what we have. Now, I wish I could say that this illustration stopped here, and this is how we are to structure our finances biblically. This is what God's called us to do. Unfortunately, that's not where it stops. Statistics say that about... 30% of our income goes towards debt. Example of this is in Ohio, about 17% of a person's income goes to credit card debt. Those who have a credit card, statistics show that they are $15,000 in debt, at least. So this shows us that we have a great need of debt. Now here's what happens when it comes to debt. First off, Proverbs chapter 20 says this, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is a servant to the lender. So here's what tends to happen with our, our debt situation. We take from our savings and we move it over to our debt. And we take from our giving and we move it over to our debt. And then we adjust our lifestyle a little bit to fill the 30%. And so all of a sudden, if you take a look at our, our biblical stewardship, we have 2% in our giving, we have nothing in savings, and our income is going to pay off our debt. 
Three myths about death. Want debt. Well, three myths about death. <laughs> it seems like death. Debt. One is that things make you happy. How many of you have more things than you used to right now? How many of you have more things than you used to? <laughs> right? And do they make you any more happier than you used to be? No, of course not. Debt is unavoidable. Number two. And number three, a little more money and my problems are solved. How many of you make more money than you used to? Yep. How many of you are uh, still having problems? And certainly, yeah, right? So we all know that money doesn't solve our problems. So we have to get back into biblical stewardship of finances. We have to adjust our finances and get back into biblical means of giving. Does that all help make sense for you? So let's take, let's take a look at biblical stewardship. There's three types of givers in the Bible that I want to take a look at. In Matthew 25, if you have your Bibles, Matthew 25, we're going to take a look at the parable of the talents. These parable of the talents, folks, we want to take a look at the one particular giver who really wasn't a giver. So the first type of giver that we see in Scripture is the non-giver. It's the person who gives occasionally or doesn't give at all. So in Matthew 25, in verse 14, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents my hands are still sticky, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. And his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him, give it to the one who has ten talents, for to everyone who has more will be given, and he who is abundant and, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So just a couple of things that we can learn here from the occasional or the non-giver is that God takes giving very seriously. He said, take the man who did nothing and cast him into outer darkness. Secondly, he said that 
the, the owner, the master of the house, came and gave the talents. So God gives us the ability to give. He gives us the resources to give, and He entrusts us with stewardship. He entrusts us with stewardship of what He's given us. What is stewardship? It's managing someone else's property. So God says, I will give you the resources to live. I will give you the bread, the seed for sowing, and the bread for eating. I will give you what you need to sustain you. But you're going to be a steward of what I've given you. Give to me what belongs to me. Honor me with your giving. And this is what James 1.17 says about that. Every good and perfect gift comes what? From above. From who? The Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God is the giver of all good and perfect gifts, where there is no shadow of turning. He is the Father of lights. You know, everything created is under the shadow of the sun. There's always change. Things are always changing. But God said, I never change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is always 100% of the time at his pinnacle, at his zenith. He is not under the shadow of change. He is never diminished. His power is never weakened. His power is never diminished. He is at 100% full strength, full supply, 100% of the time for you and I. And so we can trust Him. We know that He provides. He meets our needs. He takes care of us 100% of the time. And so we honor Him and steward what He's given us. Thirdly, we see here from the, from the, the non-giver or the occasional giver is that the expectation that the master had was in proportion to the means and the ability that he was given. In other words, God's not expecting you to give beyond what the means and the ability is that He's given you for. That you may have faith today to just step out and generous giving for you is $10 more than... It's not about the amount as much as it is the means and the ability that equals the amount. God is looking at the attitude of your heart. We'll take a look look at that in a moment. To Philippians, he says, For it is God who works in you both the will, the desire, if you will, and to work the action for his good pleasure. Augustine said, Lord, command what you will, but give what you command. And that's exactly what the Lord has done in regards to our giving and our stewardship. He has given you the ability and the resources to do what he's called you and I to do. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18 says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Fourthly, we recognize here with this man with the talent who did nothing is that fear will keep you from faithfulness. Fear will prevent you from stepping into a place of faithfulness with your finances. Maybe you've been in that place where, where you've said, Lord, I know that I need to give, but I have this, 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 and this, and this that's also de- demanding my finances. Fear will hinder you, will keep, not just within your finances, but fear will keep you in bondage in every area of your life. It will keep you from fulfilling all that God's called you to do. Well, I'm afraid if that person's going to hurt me, that person is going to let me down. This, listen, it's going to happen. <laughs> I got great news for you. They're going to let you down. They're going to stab you in the back. They're going to reject you. All of those things that you're fearful about, yep, those might happen. But my faith is not based in what man does or doesn't do. I give based on what God's promise is. My, I, I lay my life out and give to other people my life because of what God said, not because of who people are or what they deserve. And so we give, we're faithful. 
faithful based on God's word and his promise, not what others have to offer us in return. Some of the folks that hid in the Bible because of fear, remember Gideon? who hid out in the wine press, oh mighty man of valor, hiding it out in the wine press. And God had to come get him up and get him motivated and out doing what God had called him to do. There was Moses who hid out in the desert and God spoke to him from the burning bush. Moses, you're the man, go back and deliver my people. David hiding out in the caves. Elijah hid out under the broom tree. I mean, that's a great story. Elijah has just seeing the fire fall. He's just conquered the prophets of Baal. And they've just had a, he's, I would say, a great victory. And what does he do? He takes off running for his life. He takes off running for his life because of Jezebel and hides out under this broom tree and says, Lord, just kill me. I can't take any more. Maybe you found yourself there before where you've just done all that you knew to do and you find yourself under the broom tree saying, Lord, I can't do anymore. I just take my life. Let's just end it. I can't do this anymore. And what did God do? God came and ministered life to him. He he fed him. He nourished him and said, get up. Let's go. I say to you the same thing today. Maybe because of fear, you've lived in bondage in, in regards to your finances. Maybe in regards to what God's called you to do. Whatever the case is, it's time to get up. It's time you've, you've sat, you've been nourished. God's come and he's brought life to you. It's time to get up and engage with what God is doing. In verse 23 of Matthew 25, it says, You have been faithful over few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So faithfulness produces the blessing of God. Faithfulness is the prerequisite to receiving the blessing. The second type of giver we see in the Bible is the proportional giver, those that are tithers. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I don't hear pages of Bibles turning. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I love to hear the pages of the Bibles turn. Missed that today with the phones and all the technology. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 shows us an example of proportional givers, those that give proportionally, those that give in proportion to their income. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, But they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge, and it goes on, Paul talking about the the Philippian church. In Philippians chapter 4, we find the the continuation of this story, if you will. It was the Philippian church. And in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians... Know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound in all and full, and having received from Epaphroditus the things that you sent, the, the, the things that you sent a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just explain for you this Philippian church, their background, and what, what Paul's talking about. 
In Acts chapter 16, you find Paul and his buddy Silas in in Philippi. And they come to Philippi and they're ministering to the people. And as they're going about ministering, this wonderful slave girl happens to find them. And she wasn't just any slave girl. She was a slave girl possessed by a devil. And she follows them everywhere that they go and tells everybody everywhere they go, these men are of the Most High God preaching the way to salvation. Now, the information she was giving was correct. That was who they were. But she was proclaiming it or declaring it probably with the wrong attitude, being motivated of the devil. And so she's going along. And finally, Paul and Silas have reached the end of it. And they turn around to this slave girl and cast out the devil out of her. And what does it do? The city goes in uproar. The owner of the slave girl, they're furious. They drag Paul and Silas out. They beat them and they put them in prison. Now they're locked up in prison. And I'm, you know, if it were me in that situation, I'd probably be Silas making fun of Paul. Paul, great job. Glad you opened your mouth. Glad we're in prison. Thank you. Thank you for casting the devil out. If she wanted a devil, she could have kept the devil. She could have lived with the devil. But no, you had to go and deal with this devil. You had to open your mouth and deal with the devil. She could have kept the devil. She liked her devil. The slave owner liked her devil too. So you could have just left alone. But no, now we're, now we're in prison. We're in bondage. We're beat up. And now, you know, we're stuck. That would have been my rendition of that evening. But that was not what happened. Paul and Silas, we know, began to worship the Lord. And, and as they worshiped, the ground began to shake. The chains came open. The jailer comes in thinking that they've escaped. He goes to kill himself because somebody was going to kill him. It was either going to be himself or his owner. And all of a sudden, Paul, don't kill yourself. They ministering, ministered to him. And the jailer and his household got born again as a result of that event that evening. Now, that's a great way to, you know, I don't know that I'd want to go through the beating and the slave girl and all that, all that process to get to the jailer and his family. That jailer must have been pretty important to God, you know. But regardless, and he is, and we all are, obviously. But all of that being said... That's what Paul and Silas, that's what Paul's writing to the Philippian church, this church that has experienced the persecution as a result of their ministry. So they were facing religious persecution. They were facing financial hardships. Paul says that here, that according to their poverty they gave out of deep distress, going beyond their means, Paul makes it very clear that they were in hardship financially and they were facing religious persecution but they were the only church out of the Macedonian churches that supported Paul and his ministry. Wow. And, they, and Paul records that, records what they gave and what they did in Scripture. So we know that they gave out of their hardship. Sometimes we face hardships financially. Sometimes we face hardships in our families. But we give in spite of those hardships. We put the precedent, the priority on giving to God, breaking the power of the curse over our finances, over our resources, and God begins to bless us as we do so. Let me tell you, if you, if, if you find yourself in, in a debt situation, the first thing that you need to correct is your giving. Because you have invited, by not giving, a curse on your finances. You've invited a curse onto your resources. And so the way to reverse the curse is to give. <laughs> Everybody say, reverse the curse. <laughs> the way to do that is you begin to give, and God's blessing begins to come on you as you give. Secondly, we know that they gave joyfully. It says uh, that they gave out of their joy. They discovered in the middle of their hardship the joy of Christ. 
It's sometimes hard to give joyfully when you know that that $50 you have sitting around could go to a lot of other things. And it's hard to find the joy. But in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the hardship, we have to be, like James says, count it all joy, my brother, when you face trials of various kinds. It says, command yourself in the Greek. It doesn't say it's optional. Well, you can be joyful if you want to. James said, James was who? The half-brother of Jesus. I think we can take his word that he, he knew what he was talking about, right? He says, command yourself to be in a place of joy. When you face hardship, when you face trials of various kinds, you command yourself, self, shut up, stop complaining, and get into a place of joy. Self, stop spending money on what you don't need to spend money on to make yourself happy. Because some of you know, sometimes the, the money that we're spending that ends us up in that D four-letter word is money that we're spending to make us happy because we're not finding happiness in, in Christ, right? So we discover the joy of Christ. We discover the joy of giving, the joy of yielding to God and saying, okay, God, you are my joy. You are my sustenance. You do sustain me. And we discover the joy of God. You can be joyfully giving because God is providentially providing for you. You can joyfully give knowing that God is going to take care of your needs. Four things that James tells us in James 1 that God gives us. He gives us faith to perceive when we're in those hardships. He gives us faith to perceive what God is saying, what God is doing. He gives us patience to endure the test. He gives us wisdom to understand the test that we're going through and how to come through on the other side to know what God is perfecting and doing in us. And then it goes on, as we read earlier, James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. So we know that God is going to take care of us. He's going to sustain us no matter what we're going through. That's what Paul told the Philippians, and my God shall supply some of your need. Aww. I'm just making sure you're listening. <laughs> And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. By who? Not by you. It's a covenant. Do you understand this verse? Right now, God has signed a covenant in blood with you, not based on your merit, your effort, but by Christ Jesus. So if you fulfill your part of the bargain here, if you fulfill your part of the covenant, the, the, prerequis the prerequisite that God establishes, if you'll fulfill that, God says, I will hold true to my word, not by your faithfulness, but by Christ Jesus. I'm holding true because of Christ. I'll supply all of your needs. Thirdly, we see that giving of our substance to God makes deposits in our heavenly bank account. Paul said, I seek the fruit that abounds to your heavenly account. So when you give and you take care of God's earthly storehouse, God ensures that your heavenly storehouse is taken care of. That's awesome to know that if I just, if I just am a good steward, if I just do what God has asked me to do, if I'm faithful with the 10%, the 12%, whatever it is that God asked me to be faithful with, he'll take care of my heavenly bank account. He takes care of all of those things. In Matthew 6, chapter 20, it says, Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy, but what? Where thieves don't break in to steal. Store up for yourselves. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Have you thought about that for a moment? What treasures you're depositing into your heavenly bank account? Have you ever thought about what's going into your heavenly bank account and what withdrawals are coming out? Or what fees the bank's applying in heaven because you're not doing it? Just think about those things. God, Paul said, I want your fruit to abound in your heavenly account. 
The other type of giver that we see in Scripture is the sacrificial or the generous giver. Now, it's interesting. If you have your Bibles, you go to Mark chapter 12. In Mark chapter 12, we'll take a look at the generous giver. It's interesting. How many of you have heard the term sacrificial giver before? we got to be sacrificial givers. That term implies pain, that we're, we're associating pain with giving. I've got to give until it hurts. How many of you have heard that before? And all of a sudden, we start associating pain with our giving. I want to take a look at that in this context of Mark 12, a passage of Scripture that you're probably familiar with, a story that you're probably familiar with, the widow's offering. In Mark 12, verse 41, says, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes a quadrant, which that in our current financial world is probably less than a penny that she's putting in. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. A couple things I want to note here about generous giving. First off, Jesus sat and was taking note of how people gave. It doesn't say what people gave. It says how people gave. Jesus was sitting and he was watching the attitude of their heart with their giving combined with what they were giving. In history, it tells us that when people brought gifts into the treasury, they, the gift, whatever they were giving, was announced. It was told before everybody what they were giving, and it was recorded. And so Jesus was sitting there listening, and they were calling out the different amounts that were being given. Wow, we would have an upheaval in church if we passed the offering plate and started announcing what everybody was giving. But, but that's, that's what they did, right? And so they're announcing all the offerings. Jesus is sitting there and he's watching and listening to all that's happening. Notice he doesn't condemn the rich for what they were giving out of their abundance. Because it's, after all, God who gave them the things to give. He's looking at how they gave. And so it's not that it's what the rich were doing was wrong. A lot of times we read into this, I think, and feel like, well, they were giving out of their abundance, and so they were wrong, and we associate pain in with this story. And, and that's not necessarily the case. Jesus didn't condemn them for that, but he, what he took note of was this woman who gave not out of her abundance, but gave out of her need. What's the difference? Well, when you give out of your abundance, you give what you don't need. Example, I have 50 bucks sitting at home. I don't need 50 bucks sitting at home, so I'll bring it to church and I'll give it. I gave out of my abundance. This woman had $50, and she had a list attached to that $50. She knew where she could spend that $50, but she said, God, I'm going to give. I'm going to trust you fully. You have providential care over my life, and I'm going to play that $50 in the offering and know that you're going to supply and meet all of my needs. And that's exactly what God did for her. E.M. Clark, and some of you may know this name, uh, E.M. Clark was a district superintendent in Illinois for, for many years. He's well known within the assemblies. He tells a story, this goes back many years, actually it was of my hometown area, but Richard Dorch, many of you might remember that name too, is associated with uh, PTL. Richard Dorch was one of the accountants. And Richard Dorch was our uh, secretary treasurer for the state for, for many years. And they were starting a new church in Chicago, and so they were going around the state doing a fundraiser. Uh, and, and they were in my hometown area. This goes back 
This was before I was born, probably, but, but I've heard the story. So, and he, he was going around, they were doing the fundraiser, and, and Richard George stands up and he says, you know, we, this is what we're doing, we want to start a church, and, you know, X amount of dollars is needed to do this, and so we're, we, we're believing God that we're going to do this. Well, one of the pastors in the congregation stands up and says, well, I was going to buy a suit today. I have 150 bucks. I never found a suit. I'll just give, can I give that? And so he walks up and he gives the $150 to Richard Dorch. And then someone else stands up and says, well, I have my, my money at home. I have a bowl of money, just rainy day money. Can I come and bring that? And they said for two hours, people stood up all over this meeting and started saying, I'll give, I'll give. And they all, before they walked out of that building, they had $2,000 to start the, and just an impromptu offering. How many of you believe God can supernaturally supply all of our needs? I believe that. And this, this widow was doing just that. She said, Lord, I'll trust you. I'll give. I'll, I'll be a part of what you're doing, Lord. And as she did that, God blessed her. Jesus called her out and said, this woman gave all that she had. Quantity doesn't determine the quality. God is looking at the attitude of the heart. First Samuel 16, remember Samuel? Don't look at the outward appearance, for God considers the heart, looks at the heart. God's scale of generous giving is balanced by what he has given to us. This woman gave out of her need. She gave out of what she had, and she gave generously. It is every person's responsibility to compare what they give, the amount, and also with their means. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know, I'm just a little fearful about giving. Or maybe you're here and you say, well, I'm, I'm giving proportionally. One of the things that I believe that God would challenge all of us in is that we would consider ourselves and our means, and are we generous givers? Are we generous with what God has given us? Or are we stockpiling? Are we hoarding what God's given? Or are we generous with what God's given? When the offering time comes, are we excited about giving in the offering? When, when we have projects and things that are going on in the church, are we excited about what God is doing in our, in our church? Are we excited about what God is bringing to pass here at Celebration? I am very excited about all that God's doing. We have seen God do incredible things this year. Maybe you might find yourself like the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings 17. If you remember that story, I'll wrap up with this. This widow, Elijah, God says, go to this widow of Zarephath. I've commanded her to take care of you. That was information she didn't know. If you read the story, she wasn't aware that God had commanded her to do anything yet. But God told Elijah, go, and he went, and this, he sees the widow and she says, well, I just, I just have this little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. I can't really do much with this. My son or I, I'm going to go make a cake. We're going to die. My son and I are just going to go die. That's encouraging. Yeah, we're just going to eat some bread. We're going to go die. That's a great plan, right? And so what is Elijah's response? He says, hang on a second. Don't miss your God moment. Yeah. Now, he didn't, he didn't say those words. I'm, I'm paraphrasing for him. I'm sure he wouldn't mind, because it's true. It's, what he, it's, it's the attitude there. Don't miss your God opportunity. And when we have an opportunity before us, whether it's giving or whether it's sowing into what God's doing in our church through our time, or our talents, our reason, whatever it is, being a part of what God's doing, we have a God opportunity. We have an opportunity to get on board with what God is doing and say, yes, I want to be a part. Yeah. And, and so he tells her, hey, don't do this. 
don't go, don't go die, don't go, don't go dying on me. Just fix me a, a bread, a loaf of bread, and you'll be taken care of. You'll find that while this famine's lasting, that your bread and your oil won't run dry. Your flour and your oil is not going to run dry. If you'll just take care of me. And I think the same is true today. If we will take care of God's house, he's faithful to see to it that our oil and our flour don't run dry. He is faithful to take care of us. I've seen this time and time again in our, in our personal life, um, and I know that God will do it for you. I'm going to ask, inside of everybody's bulletin, and then if you didn't get one, we've got ushers ready to help you with this. Um, but inside of everybody's bulletin, there's one of these response forms, if you will, faith cards. Now, you might be familiar with these when it comes to missions, giving, and things like that. Uh, if you need one, you can raise your hand, and our ushers will make sure that you get one. But here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider, and I'm making this very practical. We, like I said, today I'm taking a creative look. This isn't probably my, you would all agree, that's those of you that are regulars, this is not my normal Sunday morning message, and definitely not my normal Sunday morning style, if you will. But... I believe this message is important for every single one of us, and it's important for the, the health of our church, for me to preach on giving. It's, it's important for your spiritual health that I do so. So that's why I'm doing this. And I want you to prayerfully consider your giving. We've just recently mailed out 2015 giving statements. Most of you have probably gotten them by now. And so you know what you gave last year. Let me say this about giving statements. Some people ask me, well, why should I give by record and things like that? I think that's a great question, and I'll address that right now. Jesus sat when he watched the widow, and he watched everything that was being given. He was taking an account. If Jesus is taking account of everything that you're giving, I think it's important for you to know what you're giving. If Jesus is taking account, it's important. Why? Because you can go back and compare your means with your motives. All of a sudden, you can start comparing your means and your motives. Are you honoring God with your finances? And it's being accountable. Jesus was all for accountability. He was watching. And so I think it's good for us to do that. But anyway, I want you to prayerfully consider, are you giving biblically? If you're not, consider doing that this year and marking such. And then maybe you are giving biblically, and God's challenging you to be more generous in your giving. Mark that also. But the other thing that this is a part of, I want to know what you're believing God for this year. We're, our theme this year is only believe. And, and I, we've already seen God do some great things at the start of this year. We know that greater things are going to continue to happen. But I want to be praying with you for this thing that you're believing God for. And I also want to be praying for you at the bottom. There's a place for you to list your family and friends that you're praying for salvation for. I want to pray with you for these things. So that's why we're doing it all on one, so that I can be praying with you and what God is speaking. Interesting, and I'll, I'll wrap up with this as we get ready to receive our tithes and offerings. And I'm, I preach the message so that you can put into practice what we've been preaching. But Again, making this very practical, this is the one time of year that I'll ever say this, um, and so you're, you're getting to see the one, once a year pastor, Zach, with regards to giving and such. But I want you to think about this fact. If everyone in our church that gave, everyone that gave in our church gave $50 a week, we would double our operating budget. 
That's just, that's just a fact. If, now, just think about that for a minute. If everybody who gave would give $50 a week, that's, now, for those of you, there's a lot of you that give a lot more than $50 a week, and thank you for that. We appreciate those that give. And I'm not saying decrease your giving. I'm just giving you, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just giving you a, a fact here, just a little bit of a reality check of how simple this is to take care of the house of God. That means if you're following, if you're tracking, we operate on half of what we ought to be, if that helps you. So that means, can you think about, just for a moment, if we were to double, think about what we're doing right now, operationally, events, outreaches, ministries, think about what we're doing. What could we offer if we were able to double? That, that statistic is... It, it really brings to life the fact that only 38% of our church is biblically tithing. That means if, if the other 62% were to biblically tithe, think about what we could do. So anyway, again, just making this very practical, I'm just wanting you to think about some of the realities of giving, tithing, and giving. It's, it's my job as your pastor to equip you and to empower you and to see you walk in the blessing of the Lord. This message, I hope today you, you have not heard, and you will not hear, condemnation and guilt and beat up. If, if, that's, if you're looking for a church that beats you up for your giving, don't go here. We love people who give, and we want you to walk in the blessing of the Lord. That's why I'm teaching this today. I want you to see biblically, I want you to see biblically the blessing of the Lord and the, the giving, the power of giving. There's, and I believe that today I've given you a balanced biblical view um, there's, there's a lot of, and to be honest, a lot of pastors today probably stray away from teaching on giving because there's so much abuse regarding giving and tithes today. And, and I don't think that that's, I don't necessarily feel that that's right as a pastor to just completely, you know, it's just like people saying, well, people abuse spiritual gifts and thing. I'm definitely not going to shy away from spiritual gifts because people abuse spiritual gifts. I think you need a biblical view. It's my job to give you the biblical view of what God says. And I think that we've done that today. I think I've given you scripture. I've given you a wealth of scripture about giving to help you understand this. So I'm going to pray for you, and uh, we're going to get ready to give to the Lord today. And, and I, please, take time to fill these out. I know sometimes you're like, oh, it's another form. Help us out. I want to be praying for you. This gives me a point of contact to do so. So let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for our people that you have given us, the sheep that are in this church. Lord, I thank you for the, for the members that you have placed in this body. And Lord, those that you're calling in, those that you're bringing in to this body. Lord, I pray for your blessing on them as they give. Lord, as they embark on the journey of stewardship and generosity. Father, that you would begin to just cause within each one of us this joyful generosity to explode. Lord, that we would go looking for opportunities to give. Lord, that we would go looking for opportunities to sow into our church and sow into the ministries and the things that are happening here. Lord, give us, give us a joy and a generous heart 
in all of these things. Father, I pray for your blessings on our church people as they give, on our people here at this church, as they call this home and they give and they support this storehouse. I pray for your blessing on them in the name of Jesus, blessing on their home, that the, as you've said, the, the devourer would be rebuked. And I thank you, Lord, that you would make those tires last longer, make those appliances last a little longer. Lord, for unexpected checks in the mail, for favor and blessing in the job, blessing in the, in the businesses that are owned here by people in the church, that you would bless them, give them new sales opportunities, new leads, Lord, new, uh, new hires that will bless their business. Lord, I thank you for favor on your people in Jesus' name, that they'd be blessed in their home, they'd be blessed in their job, they'd be blessed with favor, Lord, everywhere they go. And we thank you, Father, for that you do take care of us, you do meet our needs, and you do sustain us. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.